0: If sports fans were conferred military-style awards for Valor, we would be inclined to nominate season ticket holders for the 2014-15 New York Knicks, in particular Dennis Doyle, for demonstrating heretofore unsurpassed levels of courage and fortitude. A 30-something recovering lawyer, Doyle left his job, withdrew $25,000 from his savings, and devoted the next year to attending every New York Knicks game. Not every home game, every game— that meant venturing as far as London to watch his team. The Knicks fell in that overseas contest to the Milwaukee Bucks, 95-79, to which was in keeping with the season in which it sometimes felt as if the franchise had signed a non-compete pact with the rest of the league. The Knicks weren't merely bad. They were putrid, wretched, miserable. So much so that they flirted with the 9-73 and record of the 1972-73 to Philadelphia 76ers— the benchmark for NBA futility. The Knicks limped to a 17-and-65 finish, worst in the league. So much so that by midseason, the New York roster was gutted of players such as J.R. Smith, Iman Schumpert, and Amare Stoudemire, all either traded or waived. So much so that the venerable New York Times mercifully released the writer assigned to the team and offered him a new beat mockingly titled, Not the Knicks. Doyle endured it all. The blowouts and the blown leads, the thousands of shots that clanged off the rim, the missed defensive switches, the failure to grasp the triangle offense. He dutifully watched every moment of every game, and he even kept a sense of humor, blogging about the experience at the oakmancometh.com. Sample post. Asking a friend to a Knicks game at the Garden this season is a little like asking someone to a funeral. You shouldn't have to do it, but you can always count on the close ones to appear among the bereaved. But this chapter is not about Dennis Doyle. Rather, our focus is on yet another amazing occurrence that took place game after game at Madison Square Garden that season. Night in and night out, no matter how dismally the team was playing, at least once per contest, the fans stood and emitted full-throated yells and cheers as an unmistakable energy coursed through the arena. A spirited Knicks comeback? No. A flashy play by a fan favorite? Also no. This surge in vitality was triggered by something having absolutely nothing to do with basketball. The 7th Avenue squad was about to shoot T-shirts into the crowd. You don't need to have Dennis Doyle's attendance record to know that this has become a sports event ritual as sacrosanct as the seventh-inning stretch or the singing of the national anthem. A cohort of muscular and unnaturally peppy 20 somethings their demeanor and high energy often totally at odds with the tenor of the game, emerged from the tunnel and— after making the obligatory I-can't-hear-you hand gestures, start catapulting rolled-up shirts in the general direction of fans. Most of the squads are equipped with air cannons. Others go old school and use slingshots made of surgical tubing. The Philly fanatic, never one to be outdone, shoots off free hot dogs using a four-foot pneumatic gun. Reliably, the crowd goes wild. Fans fall over themselves trying to snag a prize, as David Babusiak of St. John, Indiana, can attest. In 2007, Babusiak attended a White Sox game at Chicago's U.S. Cellular Field. Between innings, the Chevrolet Pride team fired a shirt into the section where Babusiak was sitting. He made his move for the shirt, so did a gaggle of his fellow fans. In the scrum, Babusiak later claimed, he was shoved to the ground and suffered a permanent back injury. He filed a civil suit against U.S. Cellular Field and the Pride team, seeking more than $75,000 in damages. The defendants, he alleged, were liable because they were "...engaging in an abnormally dangerous activity, namely, shooting free t-shirts as projectiles into an unsupervised crowd of spectators, some of whom may not have been sober." Records from the U.S. District Court in northern Indiana indicate that claims between the parties have been amicably resolved. From the perspective of the teams, it's easy to understand the t-shirt cannon phenomenon. It's a cheap and easy way to keep your fans happy, sometimes in the midst of a dreary Nixian season. Give them something to look forward to, even during another blowout or uninspired performance, and they might stick around longer and spend more money on concessions, not to mention keep coming back for more games, perhaps against their better judgment. But from the fans' perspective, the phenomenon seems mystifying. Why do spectators all over the world go to such lengths, risking even paralysis for an inexpensive prize. These shirts, after all, aren't particularly special or high quality. They're of arbitrary size and often emblazoned with the logo of a team sponsor. A Knicks shirt is arguably cool, much less so when it says Model Sporting Goods on the back. So what's the big deal?